Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 193 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today we'll be discussing the biggest storylines from UFC Vegas 60, the lackluster affair that was Canelo Triple G3, Aspen Ladd's weight issues, Marlon Moraes' unsurprising unretirement, and we'll check out some other notable moments from combat sports. But first, Victor, Jose Aldo. He's retired. He's secured his release from the UFC. I'm feeling conflicted because I'm happy for him, but my God, I feel like he still had some left in the tank. Are you as conflicted as I am? I am a little bit, but less so than you are because Mm -hmm. of the fact that, you know what, man, if he says it's time, then it's time. If you walk away being a top 10 guy, in a division that you should have probably dropped to a while ago that we all had doubts of him making due to his uh, previous problems making weight at 145 and still managed to put on some virtuoso performances in the late portions of his career. Like, come on, man, you got to let the guy go. I I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm fine with this. And I'm always glad to see a guy walk out a guy or any, any guy or gal that leaves on their own through their own, uh, uh, free will without having being forced into retirement without being totally washed. Hey man, good for him. Absolutely. Um, I'm still a little conflicted because I'm thinking that at some point we're probably going to see him take something outside of the UFC, maybe a boxing match or whatever. But I saw John Nash make a tweet that made a lot of sense to me. Imagine a fight with him and Patricio. Man, I want to see it. I do. I can see it, but then this is the thing where, like, I know, I really, really, <laughs> just, just for my own personal reasons, I don't want Nash to be right. I just, <laughs> I hate the fact that he's right about stuff like this, and I just like, you know what, you goddamn you, John Nash. I shake my <laughs> fist at him real quiet, and I mumble in the dark. You know, it's a good feeling. You should try it sometimes. <laughs> Mumbling in the dark. I do it all the time. <laughs> this is also true. Yes, we, we do have a habit of that. <laughs> all right. So we are going to talk about the biggest storylines from UFC Vegas 60. And let's go ahead and, and talk about Corey Sandhagen versus Song Yadong. The judges scorecards came out and unsurprisingly, because I had it the same way. Uh, the judges were looking at it uh, pretty much even Steven going into that fifth round. I thought Song won those first two rounds. I thought Corey won the next two. I had it tied up going into the fifth. If that cut hadn't happened in the first, we might have seen an entirely different fight. But it was still extremely competitive. My problem with the fight, though, is Song's cornering. Because they were adamant even after he said he couldn't see they were adamant that he go back out there in that fifth round and i quote there's only one round left five minutes to go five fucking minutes get back out there get out there you can do this you can do this five fucking minutes i hated that his eye flap was literally almost turned inside out it was so bad but they wanted to send him back out there to take possibly more damage, maybe have his eye practically fall out of his head. I mean, that cut, my God, Victor. I I don't see. I don't. I don't disagree as far as like, yeah, this, this that was maybe uh, I guess the, the kindest way to put it, uh, less than responsible um, <laughs> cornering to a degree, right? Because you're trying to advocate for the safety of your fighter, but. I kind of get why, you know, I, I just don't exactly, I don't 100% uh, want to trash it because this is kind of like the kind of deal where these dudes do manage to dig deep and um, pull off some wild stuff in their performances. I don't know that that's even uh, 
I'm not saying that that's good necessarily. I I'm, I, I just think that it's kind of like it's one of those necessary evils, I suppose, in terms of the mentality that that these guys have. And it's like, yeah, man, look, you you might still be in this. You know, you're still uh, uh you still got something in the tank. You managed to get some really good looks in there. You you've gotten uh Corey in some really bad spots. Like, go after it, get it. I, I get it. I see it. You know, I don't. I, I, it's like as much as I hate the uh, lack of uh, the more humane elements of it, uh, I, I, I don't. I, I can totally understand the rationale, and that's really the sad thing about it. See, I don't. I understand the rationale of pumping up your fighter to get back out there when there's not a critical injury threatening future fights. Though that was a critical injury. That thing. It started just on his brow line, but by the end of the fight, it was much further down his eyelid. And it was so far open. My God, when they showed that camera view over the doctor's shoulder when he's holding it open, Jesus, my God, Victor, my stomach turned. And I was a nurse for 13 years, okay? And my stomach turned when I looked at that cut. But it was nothing to Gregory Rodriguez's cut, but we'll get to that in a minute. What did you think of the fight itself? What did you think of the first two rounds? Did you see it the same way I did? Did you have Song up? Or did you think Sandhagen maybe uh, took the second? You you had to have thought that Song won the first round, though, right? I, you know, like, thinking back, I think I had him winning the first. Mm. But I didn't have many expectations of him keeping that kind of pace as the fight went on. I kind of figured that maybe by round three, like he's going to start probably tapering off a bit. And it kind of went that way, but it wasn't for the reasons that I'd expected. It's one of those things where you're right, but not for the reasons you thought you'd be. (laughs) And uh, it wasn't so much because of his cardio. It's just Corey started getting some better reads. He started heading him off the pass. He started jacking him up extra. And I was like, yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. You know, his his offense wasn't quite as effective because he was not able to establish the range the way he wanted to when he was getting, uh, he was really getting punished coming in on the way in with those bum rushes when he was trying to land those one twos. So, uh, yeah, I, it, yeah, that was kind of one of those things that's inevitable, man. This, this man, this Corey Sandhagen guy, I, I you know, he's he's a, a very quite the violent ginger. I can tell you that that's something else. I liked his very intelligent post fight interview. Uh, he said, "I can't be that guy that's Mister Entertainment, Mister Excitement." Basically, I'm just uh, paraphrasing for him. I've got to think more about my future, and I've got to win these fights. All this excitement that I'm doing and I'm not winning these fights. So I've got to change things up and win these fights. And so I was a little more careful. He said that, you know, when he opened when he opened him up, he wanted to make sure that he continued so that he could stop him from competing. And that's what he did. He targeted that cut. That's what you're the, the doctor came in twice, looked at him, let it keep going. So by that rationale, he can keep targeting it. Keep opening it up. I saw yeah. an argument on Twitter. A guy said that it was dirty. It was cheating. No, it's not. The whole point <laughs> of elbows is to cut someone and stop them from continuing to compete. You want to get them uh, out of there. That's how you do it. Dirty and cheating. Really? Exactly. Really? Where was, where was that guy when, when John Jones was poking everybody's <laughs> eye out like shish kebab? Where was he at? I want to know where this what, what what rock this man was sleeping on when this all happened. He must present himself to me and make his case because that is just ridiculous. No, man, look, this kind of like this goes even further back. It kind of reminds me of KJ Noons versus Nick Diaz. You know, he was KJ was saying that in the lead up to their second fight. He says, well, listen, man, you got that cut above your eyebrow. I'm going to keep targeting that cut. And that's exactly how he won. Mm-hmm. That's how he won the first time around. And then, yeah, sure, he got thumped in the second one. But uh, that's. You know, it's fair. It's there. If the doctor keeps it going, well, shoot, that's still there. It's still part of your face, and I'm going to keep busting that open. Indeed. And, boy, someone's going to isolate that last part and be like, yeah, that's that's yet another one of those perverted things this man has said, which, yes, that would be actually rather fair and very true. So we're going to move on to the co-main event, and it was another big, giant, bloody, gaping cut, an axe wound. And this one was even worse than Song Yadong's cut. 
Did you happen to see the picture of him uh, on the uh, the table before they stitched him up? And you can literally see that muscle that goes right between your eyes, uh, right above the bridge of your nose. It's your furrow muscle. It's what happens when you when you do your eyebrows together like you're mad. That muscle is oh my god! They had that exposed. Oh my god! It was the that's by far the worst cut I've ever seen in a fight. Way worse than Marvin Eastman and way worse than Sonia Dong. Maybe on par with Alistair Overeem because Alistair Overeem's predator look was pretty gnarly too. What did you think of that cut? <laughs> I was disappointed. I expected Dr. Strange's third eye to pop out of the thing. And, you know, <laughs> maybe we could see like some kind of cool cross branding, cross promotion thing. You know, Wong is a new special guest referee. Like, oh, Wong's well, in everything, nice. right? Yeah, he had the special, you know, he had the special fight night in China that one time. Don't forget. <laughs> and shout out to Eli Roth. What a king. Yeah, no, nah, that that was brutal, man. I, I think it's one of those things where, like, you kind of, I think we've seen enough of this. You know, it's it's a bad cut. I get it. But then it just feels worse as the day goes on. Because you think back to the whole story with Joe Pfeiffer talking about how he was making, you know, he, he didn't have any, he, he got some money on the side to get a place to live. You know, Nicholas Mata, who was, begging for a bonus you're like jesus christ the money that this guy could be making mm -hmm. to get his face split open like this yeah. you know he's not going to be compensated right for it so it's like it just from it's like oh wow that's insane from a human interest perspective mm -hmm. you know it, it's kind of one of those things that you can just gawk at and be like wow that's nuts but then you start thinking about the human aspect of it like oh christ you know this again you know what i mean it just it, it's so unfair it's so just like that that really felt very demoralizing once I started thinking about it in that context. But it was an awesome comeback. And you you oh, gotta yeah. look at that and think to yourself, this dude is made of tougher stuff. And poor Chitty and Jaguani, he was on a pretty good streak there, and he just crumbled. He got hit pretty hard, and that was it. I man, that was kind of disappointing. Mm. I kind of, I put it more at the, I, I was, uh, perhaps I'm being more optimistic about this than you in that sense, but um, it seems to me that that had more to do like with the power than Gregory Pack. You know what I mean? I, I think it really like he timed it and he got him square in that point where dude was, you know, not at a hundred percent after that. And I fully credit Gregory in that. And I'm not, I say that to not take away anything away from Chidi and just be like, yo, some dudes, man, they just had that reality altering power. And I think that's what happened here. Well, I think Chitty has it too. He really had oh, yeah. Rodriguez in a lot of trouble. But Rodriguez is made of sterner stuff, I think. You know, he got maybe, it through. He got it through. He did not turtle up. He did not crumble. He got it through his, his issue. And uh, Chitty did not do the same. Could be less damage, less mileage. I don't know yeah. what. Uh, I mean, I know that the Gregory's uh, background in combat sports is not as extensive as Chidi. Well, he's a lot younger too. I think Chidi's thirty six, I believe, thirty six or thirty seven, and Rodriguez is, believe it or not, he's only thirty. Oh, but how does he? Jesus. <laughs> no, that's what I said. And he looks like one of the rock people from Zelda. Oh how does this happen? My man is like, he's like, oh, oh Jesus. Okay. All right. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> yeah, right. He is only 30. I could not get over that when, when I saw that. Oh, you know what? I take it back. Chidi is 33. So there's only three years difference between them. Chidi will be 34 um, this New Year's Eve, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. But that voice, I think that voice makes him seem older. My goodness. Barry White all over again. <laughs> We are going to move down to Andre Feely getting the win over Bill Algeo. And that was kind of surprising. He, again, proves that he's a gict, a guy I can't trust because, you know, he's he, he loses when he shouldn't. He wins when he shouldn't. Uh, this Everybody had this Bill Algeo's fight going in and for good reason because Feely's been dropping the ball a lot lately. But he looked good in that performance. I, I believe he is training in Austin, he said. And mm. yeah, it was um, John Donaher. And, you know, his story afterwards was so sad. You know, he he and his um, 
fiance or wife or whatever were expecting and she lost the baby and this was just within the last few weeks so he he was pretty broken up when he was trying to get out his words in the post-fight interview and boy that was tough to watch yeah that that was tough to hear i, I I'm, I'm surprised that donaher has i mean maybe i shouldn't be surprised that he has a place like that but i'm definitely not surprised that it would have to be in a place like Austin because, wow, I mean, <laughs> you know, if anybody's kind of been going off into that uh, weird libertarian, uh, those those waters, it would have to be a guy like that. But back to Feely, man, yeah, that's it, this isn't even the first uh, uh, fighter to be on a card after having that kind of adversity. You know, Damon Jackson, I just found out he lost his brother this week. Um, yeah, you know I, that 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 really you know when I when you see a guy go out there and, and you know they've got all the stress and they've got this grief on them and it, it it's really um it makes the effort more admirable in retrospect but it still makes you feel you know buddy I, I wish you didn't have to you know it, it would be perhaps best if he maybe taken a little bit more time to get yourself right but if he felt he was ready then fine and boy did he prove he was ready in that but I didn't think he had this quite this sort of performance in him um but hey maybe the change in scenery is doing him good you know maybe there's they're finding ways through coaching that uh could maybe uh, allow him to focus a little more on his strengths i i it was nice to see how well he handled a lot of what algeria was throwing at him and how he was uh, much more spry on his offense than i remember him seeing in quite some time yeah for sure um, then we're going to move right along here and talk about Loma Lukbunmi. And I want to talk about her a little bit because she is tiny. She should be fighting at atom weight, but she is fighting at straw weight. So a lot of the girls are a lot bigger than her. But you know what? She proved last night that you cannot bully her. Gomes was in there trying to throw her around a little bit and Loma was not having it. And I loved her performance, but what made me much more endeared to her was the comments she made where she was very, very honest about her depression between the last fight and this one, how she had self-harm ideations and suicidal ideations. And uh, I want her to have nothing but all the good things in life. I hope her journey gets so much easier I was happy to see her get that win because a lot of people didn't didn't think she was going to be able to pull it off over a, a killer like Gomes, uh, like Denise Gomes. But uh, she did the damn thing, and I loved watching it. Yeah, same. And you know, this is this is the kind of thing that we keep trying to urge. You know, anybody out there who's who's listening or who reads any of that stuff, man. You know, if you if you have at any point. Any creeping thoughts like that, man, talk to somebody, mm -hmm. talk to some, somebody's out there that's going to be able to listen and try to help out, man. Believe me when I tell you, you just, you got to take that step. And it's as overwhelming as it all seems. Oh, you you got to try to push on through with that. But, you know, in terms of the Loma here, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really weird because you're looking at somebody who's, you know, she's only had three losses and she's got a wealth of Muay Thai experience. So it was really surprising to hear that but i mean it always is isn't it when you see someone who's successful in their in their field and yet they still have these ideations they still have these problems she's only she's only five one but she's been able to hang it out with with some of the bigger girls even some of the more um forward wrestling type fighters like sam hughes and Jin Frey. Mm. uh it just seems like you know these are people that would be uh able to use their gritty grindy uh physical style to break her down and they couldn't do it um it just is what it is man but you know loma went out there and uh it, it's a lot like the um oh my goodness now i'm blanking on her name here uh michelle waterson right you know it, it's it's kind of like that this is someone who was at adam weight and now is pretty much a little undersized for strawway, but making the most of what they have. And Loma has got a lot. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I just liked that she was not to be bullied last night at all. She was not having it. Now, you mentioned Damon Jackson earlier, and we must talk about him because what a performance. We typically associate Damon Jackson with excellent grappling. We are not associating him with knockouts and ferocious ground and pound, but 
boy, howdy, to quote you. <laughs> he certainly got in there and put it on Pat Sabatini. I didn't, that's another thing. I didn't think he would do quite this well. In fact, you know, just if I were just throwing darts at a board, I'd probably be like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe Sabatini got this. Like, no, dude, he actually came in and quietly enough, quietly enough after being the, on the wrong end of the highlight reel for knockout of the year at PFL in 2019 mm. and, and, you know, making his way back to the UFC after, you know, after everything that went with there. And now his only loss so far in his run since he came back was Ilya Deboria. He had the submission over Mirsad Bektic. You know, he he had the decision win over Charles Rosa. He submitted Kamuela Kirk, who's another super tough dude. And then finally doing this here to a, a very, very sturdy prospect. Pat Sabatini is a guy that has a lot of potential and a guy who's got a, a lot of challenges that he could present to some of these guys. Jackson made him look like, I mean... Like this was hard to practice. Yeah. yeah, that's that was nuts to me how that fight ended, man. He just dove on that right away, and holy shit, look at that! He's already racked himself a nice little winning streak. I'm glad things are going better for him now than they were last time around. For sure, we must talk about Fluffy Hernandez. I didn't put it in our outline, but I loved his his post fight speech where he dropped uh, probably 34 f bombs. <laughs> it was awesome. It's quite a feat to finish Marc-Andre Barrio, but he did. And he, it was an entertaining fight. My goodness, just crazy. And he dumped Barrio on his head, almost spiked him. Man, so good. Such a good fight. And such an entertaining personality in general. I love this dude. Yeah, this guy, this might be the coming out party that he needs. Yeah. This might be the one that, you know, finally gets him, you know, somewhere in the top 10 or so, or at least up against somebody who's there because that, that dude is a problem. The fact that he had so much control throughout that he was manhandling a guy who was like, you know, a, sort of a sturdier, beefier dude and made it look good, made it look easy early and often and by a lot. I mean, oh, wow. That was nuts. I respect so much the uh, effort and, and, and the hustle. And he did it, man. He did an extraordinary job there. It's like, shoot, who do you put him in there against that you would say, like, yeah, there's no way he's going to get past him. Like if, you, if you just really, outside of maybe the top three or four, and if you just look at the rankings as he stand right now at middleweight, there's a lot of interesting fights for him right now. I mean, just, okay, look, number 10, you got Andre Muniz. Number nine, Darren Till. You wouldn't want to see this guy fight Darren Till? Oh, yes. I mean, he, you might want to know if he's, you know, is, if he's not ready now, when is he going to be? You know, Jack Hermanson's another dude. Strong Strickland, things go crazy, you know, and another monkey wrench gets thrown at that fight that he had scheduled. You wouldn't want to see a guy like Sean Strickland take on this dude. I'd love to see what happens just for the sake of knowing what happens, even if he's not ready. Indeed. I like all of those. Let's talk about jo Joseph Pfeiffer. He had this fight. Basically, they set this fight up to be a showcase fight for him, and it certainly was. Alan Amadovsky wasn't really in this from the start. <laughs> what did you think? Well, you know, like Mother Teresa, another another Macedonian falls. Um, <laughs> that, 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 that was a scary, that was a scary knockout because he put him down with the first right hand. Mm -hmm. And then you see Amadowski kind of like, you know, as he's on his back, kind of look up like, huh? I was wondering if he had one of those dissociative moments like Michael Chandler did when he fought Will Brooks. You know, there's that one fight where he didn't, he forgot he was in a fight for yeah. a second. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he might have had I think he might have had a moment like that. Or like I said on Twitter, you know, I posted the screenshot of him, you know, laying there and, and Pfeiffer still hadn't dropped a second bomb. And I was sitting there wondering, like, maybe this is a situation where he wanted to move, but his body was like, <laughs> I don't know what to do now. Like the, the, the sh because well, and again, look, look, you've been a nurse, you know how shock uh -huh. affects people in ways that you would not expect. I, I genuinely, I'd love to know what was going through his mind at that moment as he sat there like, well, shit, what's next? <laughs> Have you ever had and a nightmare said, that you couldn't wake up from and you couldn't move? Like a, from uh, a like night sleep terror? Paralysis? Huh? Yes, yeah, sleep paralysis. Like sleep paralysis. Yes, like you're oh. hung up in a dream, a bad one, and you can't Ugh. wake up. You can't move. You're just frozen. That is what I thought of when you were describing that. Yeah, I've been there. That's not good. I do not like that. Um, I, I yeah, man, freakish. I mean, 
this establishes two things. You're separating the weed from the chaff two ways, right? Alan Amadoski most likely getting his walking papers, which may not be the worst thing. I don't doubt that he can rack up some wins and come back at some point. He's that good, but he just has not been able to. I just don't think it's something that, I don't know, maybe it's the pace, maybe it's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where, where, where he's falling off on this, but Pfeiffer, once again, man, once again, showing that he is capable of producing some amazing finishes and another good prospect for middleweight that can climb up the ranks, you know, in given time, uh, just needs a little bit more seasoning and a little bit more patience, but he's going to, he's definitely a dude who's going to be in the top five. For sure. Before we get to the Nicholas Mata fight, I, I did want to really briefly touch down on Mariah Agapova and Jillian uh, Jillian Robertson because woo, for a minute there, I thought Mariah was going to bite her tongue off. Yeah, I just I just get upset when I see people get caught in a choke and then they're just sort of doing that thing where they're just waiting for things to be tighter so they can tap. Or they think yeah. that they that they're gonna outlast the choke somehow because that's yeah. the the impression I got from her. She wasn't actually fighting it. Yeah, she had her hands up there, but she kind of stopped and just sat there trying to bite down on her tongue to stay awake. Bitch, tap. Okay, tap. Uh, that, that's all there I, is I, to it. I mean, did did her coaches tell her that she was gonna? That 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 Jillian was burning her arms out. Like, where does this come from? Where do you get the idea that that's like? Come I on, mean, man. You guys, what what kind of what kind of defense you training, man? Shit. I mean, if if it says anything, Jillian was not gonna let go. She spent the whole first round going for a submission while she was getting nailed in the head, and she never stopped. What made Mariah think that she was gonna somehow let go of that choke because she was biting down on her tongue? I don't I don't know if it's a if it's necessarily a fight IQ thing only. I don't know what else is missing oh, is. there, but it is because remember Mariah is that one that um the the folks out at ATT said was kind of um well outright yeah. crazy and that there, she's yeah. a, a threat at the gym and this and that and that she's um aggro and intimidating with the the other ladies and with some of the dudes i mean it's she seems to have that kind of mentality in all aspects of her life well she looked like when jillian finally let go she looked like she had a seizure she was just foaming at the mouth and just stiff mm. you know it was really rough to watch i and just you know, like it's a little bit more humane than taking more uh, strikes to the head than, than, you know, would be necessary. But what does that say that that still was frightening in that situation? Big ups to Jillian for, you know, gutting it out and doing as well as she did there. But good God, dude, like, come on, man. At, at, at some point, I, I just don't know how that continues to happen, how the fighters are still going out there. And like, they're just, just leaving their hands out there. Just like, yeah, well, I mean, shoot, I think I'm caught. Oh, no. Let me buy my tongue. I can make it. I can make it to the end of the round. I can outlast this choke. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So we are going to talk about the last fight, which is actually the first fight on the card. And I'm so mad about this because Nicholas Mota absolutely put on a bonus worthy performance. The curtain jerker had a knockout inside of the first round. And because he made the mistake of saying how rough he's had it and how much a, a $50,000 performance bonus would benefit him, of course he gets snubbed. But Joseph Pfeiffer, who also made the same platitudes, but is the, the golden child that they're actively trying to push, because that's the, the scenario, Joseph Pfeiffer got a bonus, but not Nicholas Mata, and that really bothers me. But, you know, that's the UFC in a nutshell for you. Don't dare be out there talking about pay if you're not already up on a pedestal. I, I'm not even, I, I don't even know where to start with that. Because, you know, you have another dude who's out here straight up suffering. You know, he's putting this out there, bearing it out to the world. Like sometimes, man, a lot of people, especially men, it's it's really tough for you to talk about that stuff and, and put that out there for the world. And and yet at the same time, he goes out, he says what he says, and then he still doesn't, I'd like to think that maybe there's some kind of consideration on some sort of a, 
some sort of a backroom bonus thing. But I mean, who gets those anymore? And how often does that happen? I don't know. I don't know. It's just it, this is the absurdity of the whole thing with like the of the night bonuses being limited for starters, not having finishing bonuses in your contract, having low pay when you come in. And Trent Runsmith pointed this out, too. You know, they were bragging about how many of the people that were on this card were out of contender series. Like, yeah, that's been the trend for a while. You know why? Because that's how they get these guys in on these 10 and 10s. That's what it is, people. We've always we've always talked about how draconian the ultimate fighter contracts are. We haven't seen one of the contender series ones yet. And guess what? I bet you they're a lot more uh, ironclad and definitely they're paying these dudes a lot less. So, yeah, I mean, good luck. Yeah. Now, the last fight we're going to talk about was not a UFC fight. It was Canelo Triple G3. And Canelo got his win. And it's it's so funny because in the first two fights, he shouldn't have been uh, as favored as he was with the scoring. But this time, it was a gulf between the two. I mean, I had it personally. Ten rounds to two for Canelo. But the judges, I mean, one of the judges, actually two of the judges had it 115-113. What? What fight were you watching? That was nowhere near that. And the commentary. My God, I hated the commentary so much. It was god-awful. The worst commentary ever. I have to suspect that there is something that you personally pursue in terms of, of bad things that upset you. Because you already got one sport with shitty judging and bad commentary. And yet you choose to go for second helpings. I do. do. This? No. Come on, man. It's Canelo. Really? But it was Canelo. I had to. I had to. Well, that also makes sense. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, if you're going to get your heart broken, you know, it's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's, at least it's a, a very uh, very good and fun and charismatic athlete in there. Well, going to he... be subjecting me to this. He, he got the win. Uh, it just was nowhere near as close as the judges said. I mean, it was a complete route. He he basically had his way with Triple G. And to Triple G's credit, I mean, he looked pretty good in there for a 40-year-old. Mookie made a great suggestion. Now is the time to book Triple G and Jaime Munguia. And I could not agree more. I would actually probably give Jaime Munguia the upper hand in that fight. A lot of people are not giving this kid credit, but he's durable, he's fast, he's accurate, he's he's got some power. I think that's a great fight to make. You know, I, I don't know what to really how to make heads or tails of any of this because you know me, I can't, I can barely read, and you coming out here talking to me about this boxing stuff, telling me about some dude, talking about some dude named Mung Beans and Hymans. Like I'm supposed to just sit here and not make jokes about the shit. Like this is just not appropriate to me. I don't you feel. Said my my family's listening to this, man. <laughs> you said mung beans. <laughs> oh, they're man. delicious. They really are. I like them. Um, so they are. Yeah. We missed a fight yesterday, though. Tell us about the fight that we missed and why. Oh, yeah, we missed something. All right. Uh, So it turns out that we are back to the, uh, it seems, never ending tale of the one and only uh, Aspen Ladd, who unfortunately has missed weight yet again, forcing a cancellation in the bout between her and former Olympian Sarah McMahon. Not good, folks. She's only 27. And She's still having some problems somehow, whether it's somewhere in her camp, whether it's just in the lead up of the uh, weight cut situation. I mean, look, she already had uh, her license revoked in the state of California because you have to be a certain within a certain range on the week of the fight in order to cut safely. And even then, she went ahead in that fight and she went in there against Jermaine Rondami and got blown out the water. Not good. She had a cancel fight in 2021 against Macy Chazon. Uh, it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem like it's working. And now we have yet another cancellation. Where does this even begin? Where does it go? I'm not certain if this is just a matter of her uh, maybe staying far out of her uh, range during uh, her camp and then trying to do it all during fight week. I don't know if it's a matter of discipline during fight week specifically. Maybe her body 
does not react as the same way that it does for other people. I mean, we've heard fighters be a little bit more open about it. Now, some uh, some fighters are a bit more hormonal than others, and it allows their weight cuts to be easier. Uh, weight cut matters are more complicated with women overall. That's been something of a uh, documented fact for some time. Not everybody's able to do so it's at, at the same uh, capacity. And we've seen even people like Misha Tate, who's been a consummate professional, she had never missed weight save for one time. And I mean, it happened. You know, it, it's just the thing that no matter how professional you are, sometimes these things take place. But it keeps happening with Latin. It's become something of a trend. So my question is, where do you suspect that that is happening? Where do you think the break is and, and, and what's allowing for her to keep making that mistake? And given the fact that there's really no line at 145, don't you think that maybe she should just move up instead? Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely she should move up. It's probably a safer cut for her. I don't know necessarily that it's because she's blowing up in between fights or miscalculating during fight week. Jamie, she goes by She Reaps on Twitter. She's avid grappler. She trains with Macy Chazon and lots of other people that are actually in the UFC. She said that it looks to her like Aspen Ladd has made cuts so much that her body is kind of rejecting the cut at this point. And some women are like that. They can only do this a few times before their body rejects the cut. And it sort of makes sense because I've heard dudes explain that as well. I'll never forget when uh, Jim Miller was battling Lyme disease and he posted a video of one of his cuts and he held up a, a cup of some something that looked like coffee and it was his urine. You know, he was in full rhabdo. And I mean, my God, I just think that 145 is a better bet for her outside of completely cutting her from the UFC. Yeah. I mean, well, we've seen men have this problem, too. You know, Henan yeah. Brow, most notably one of those yeah. guys who just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, Rumble Johnson, you know, he had to stop cutting down to 170 and then he couldn't even cut to 185 mm. because it's just years and years and years of, of abusing your body in that way. When you're doing the strictly the, the, the crash cuts, that's what's going to happen. Um, but you know, if the end objective is to be a champion and either way, you're going to be facing the big bad ogre that is Amanda Nunes at the end of the hallway, which are no matter which path you take. I mean, you might as well go to 145. Who else is there? You got Norma Dumont, Danielle Wolf. I don't even think Zara Fyron is still with the UFC. But Macy, <laughs> you, you basically Macy, um, that that's another one that you could put in there because she's also struggling making 135. She's huge. She's a yeah. tall, beefy girl. You know, I wouldn't even say she's beefy, but she's got the bone structure where she carries a lot of muscle. She's a big girl. But you've yeah. got Norma Dumont and um Irina Aldana, uh, Jamie said that Irina had, had been struggling uh, with her cut up to the point when they agreed on fighting at 140. So you have girls that could easily fill out that division. And there's girls on the outside all the time that can can be drafted into the division. You know, the girls are coming up all the time. And there's even some, I believe Julia Budd just fought out her contract over at Bellator. You can, you can bring Julia Budd over. Well, you know, she left Bellator and she was with PFL. I think she's done with them now. So yeah, maybe that's that, what it is. Yeah. That's right. She left Bellator. She went to PFL. It's the PFL contract that she just finished out. So mm. that's what I mean yeah. is that you can bring her over from PFL. Um, regardless, yeah. six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, but there are avenues to fill out 145. And Aspen Ladd could be a good start there. I mean, maybe if the UFC were to actually, if they had any true desire to invest in that division any further, which I don't believe they do. But uh, if they do and they want to keep this afloat and they want to continue the Aspen Ladd experiment, and it's not like she's costing them that much money to stick around, sure, why not? It's, that's fine. I just feel bad for Sarah McMahon wanting to fight and not being able to uh, do so. Uh, she did say that she was being taken care of, which, I mean, you know, there's only so many ways you can read into that into what that how beneficial that is, uh, whether or not it was a matter of her uh, uh, being able to cover all her training costs and everything else. I don't know. Yeah, I would like to know if she got show win or just show or a portion, because there have been times when 
Fighters have not received a full show purse when a fight has been called off. So there's that. Hopefully she was well embursed. Yeah, well, maybe. Let's let's hope. But uh, we now that we've addressed that, and we did in passing mention PFL, well, guess what, folks? Not long ago, we saw Shane Burgos make the jump from the UFC over to PFL. Well, it turns out that we've got yet another person jumping ship to try to make their million-dollar dream a possibility. That is none other than the former... World Series of Champion, champion, or World Series of Fighting Champion, <laughs> and UFC fighter Marlon Moraes, who has uh, now announced that he is going to be making that move. And he announced this on Twitter, stating, Guys, I want to announce I'm coming home where I started. I want to thank the legend Ray Seffo and PFL MMA. Get ready for some firework. Yes, singular, because why not? And then uh, what could I only, I can only assume be written by his manager Thank you to all the fans for the good messages and even to the haters. I love you guys, and without you, this would not be possible. I, I really genuinely can't tell if that was Marlon or not, but I mean, wow. Well, that, that, was that almost It was Ali. Ali runs his account. It had to be. Who well, you was... know how I know that is because Marlon used to follow me, and we used to chit-chat a lot. And when um, Ali decided that Bloody Elbow was the enemy... I got blocked from his account and Frankie oh, Edgar's and all the accounts that he actually runs, with the exception oh, of Khabib and Kamaru, um, who still follow me. But even even Gilbert, even Gilbert isn't running his own account, I don't think, because oh, all of a sudden Jesus. Gilbert's gone too. But that's okay. <laughs> I don't mind that. But uh, yeah. if you're ever wondering, especially about Twitter, with Marlon Moraes, it's because Ali is on that account. But that's okay. Who is a Marlon hater? Who is out here? Like, I mean, I get it. They're terrible people all over in the sport, but really, really, like, even to my haters, that's like, this could have been a Trump tweet. Mm -hmm. Like, for real, this, this could have been, well, this be could have been on. Probably because he's unretiring. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the whole portion of this that's, that's, uh, the most important thing is that. He's coming out of retirement. They never stay retired. They always come back. No, they don't. But at the very least, in this situation, even though he is getting a little older, he is going to be moving to featherweight, not bantamweight. And that is a bit of an interesting wrinkle here, considering the fact that PFL does not have all of the divisions that other organizations have. For example, they don't have a uh, middleweight division. But they do have a pretty crowded scene at featherweight. And, well, now Shane Burgos just made the jump over. I assume he's going to be uh, sticking around at featherweight, too. So that's another potential uh, thing to look out for. We'll, we'll have to see where they land in their brackets when they get to the eventual tournament for both of them. So how well did he do when he was there? Well, he had a sterling reputation. He won a perfect 11-0 during his four-year stint there. And, man, that dude had some incredible performances in terms of putting on clinics. Not much of a finisher during his time there, but he didn't have to be because he was just a very brilliant and tactical fighter and uh, took very little damage while he was there. But, hey, look, he wants to go back to his old stomping grounds, which you can kind of say PFL is. I mean, they are essentially uh, run by uh, a similar group and, than what was the establishment of World Series of Fighting. Good for him, I suppose. Go out there, get that money. And if he wins that million, man, it'll be probably more than he made in his entire UFC run. The whole thing that's sad about this is they don't make enough to really retire. He just retired earlier this year, just a couple of months ago. Oh, I'm done. I'm leaving my gloves. I'm done. That's it for me. Two months later, up, I'm back. Because they yeah. always. And it's funny too, because I think that, I think that Shane might be another dominance client. It's just funny how all these Ali guys just keep oh ending God, up uh, really? going over to PFL now. Don't depress me like that. Really, Shane Burgos is an Ali client? I think so. I'm, I don't oh, quote me on that, no. but I believe he might be. That sucks. That really sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. All right. So we are going to move into some other notable moments from combat sports. And the first one is so funny. Oh, my goodness. So this guy, um, Alexandru Lungu, defeated this other guy. His last name is Florin. And he defeated him via TKO without ever throwing a punch. And what happened is Florin was in there and he, 
I don't even know how these dudes were moving and throwing kicks. They were so fat. But Florin was throwing so much spinning shit, spinning back fists, spinning kicks, etc. at all. And he pulled a muscle and it was declared a TKO because, you know, it was an injury retirement. So this Alexandru Lungu actually defeated a guy by TKO without ever throwing a punch. You know, this is when I when I tell you, when I tell you constantly, I make these jokes about fat heavyweights. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is where we get to, oh, you know what? The UFC really could use a super heavyweight division. No, no they don't. No, You're going to get shit like this. Do you want more like this? No, you do not. You do not want this in your life. And Lungu is a guy. I've kind of, I, I mean, you know, look, maybe it's not entirely fair, but I kind of had it out for him for quite some time. I have never liked watching that guy fight. He has never been a fun dude to watch. He's just this big, fat dude who just throws these big, whoa, big punches. And it's just like, ugh. It, it's not, there's no athleticism. There's no real technique. This is, this is the, this is for the, uh, People who still are clamoring for Tank Abbott to come back. That's when you watch Lungu fight. And what did he do? He went in there with some other dude who was somehow bigger and fatter than him. and could barely lift his leg, but still try to do spinning kicks. And, and yeah, well, there you go. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. The guy won without landing a single punch. And that is that is not as impressive as it sounds. If this was a Street Fighter character, you'd be like, oh, wow. Yeah, that must have been some, that must have been some wild ninja shit that he pulled off. Nope. <laughs> now, our second and last... Topic is Cade Ruotolo with a huge upset at uh, Abu Dhabi, which is going on right now this weekend. He got the win over Lachlan Giles, and wow, what a sequence! Did you check that out? I did, I did My see that. Goodness, that was pretty wild, right? yeah. Man, ADC this year, so much good shit is coming out of it. I mean, I'm trying to grab everything I'm seeing posted, but there have been some really fun moments coming out of Abu Dhabi this year. There are. And, you know, it's just like really depressing for me personally, because I haven't been on a map since the pandemic started. And it's like, damn, I just I, like I'm getting the edge like, geez, I want to I'm not going to be able to do what these guys are doing. But I want that thrill, that moment-to-moment build, and and that that right there, that clip of uh, Lachlan, you know, a guy who by all means seems to be a great dude, but going out there and getting submitted the way that he did by Cade was like, oh man, that was that was smooth, man. Like you want to test yourself now. You're like, damn, I want to do something, you know, not necessarily that. I'm not nowhere near that level. I'll never be on that level. But man, I I just I want to be able to, you know, like when you watch Formula One, like damn, I want to get the mm-hmm. behind the the wheel of a car just to fuel the engine. I'm not going to do 500 miles an hour, but I just want to feel the purr of the engine and the, you know, the, the, the heft of the steering wheel. It's that I, I feel that. And I it's, have no it's desire to get in the car. I only have the desire to get out there and watch and possibly touch the car. I would like to touch one. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely like to shake hands with Lewis Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. I've gone to a couple of GPs and it's, just absolutely thrilling it's like bucket list stuff for me and seeing my most mortal enemy max verstappen rubbing elbows with canelo last night actually made me like him a little bit so there's that (laughs) (laughs) because uh max verstappen stole the championship from lewis hamilton um oh how dare he well, well he, he must he must pay and he must suffer. Put he, him on my list. I'll go beat him up for you. Yes, please. It wasn't his fault that it happened. It was the stewards. Well, anyway. then I'll put him lower on the list. He won't be anywhere in the top three. I mean, I still got to sweep. <laughs> He's winning out. this year. He's gonna. There's some really there's some really good names in the top five though. They're not in any particular order. There's Yao Ming. Uh, there's there's the there's there's John Stewart, uh, and then of course number one. Michael Dudikoff. I'm not sure where Mookie Alexander fits here, but he's in there somewhere. <laughs> well, definitely put Ma- um, Max Verstappen in there for me because he's winning this year. He's winning again, and I hate it. But anyway, well, he'll, he'll, is he a vegan? Because if he's that annoying, he'll probably get bumped no, up. No, like Lewis is the vegan. Oh, okay, then he. Might but he's be on not the list an annoying vegan at all. I'm fighting every vegan every day. I'm just, I, I'm just <laughs> doing that now for funsies. That's just practice. <laughs> nothing, nothing personal, folks. I'm just, I, I got to get my hours in. Just as long as you leave Kelsey alone. That's KGB on Twitter. You got to leave her alone. She's All that's right, my sure. girl. She's my favorite okay. vegan. There you go. All right. I got to see <laughs> if she makes if she makes good hummus and she's exempt, but I, I can't promise you nothing. 
we must get going here. We are on a timer. Victor, we must promote your Instagram because I've been all over it lately. <laughs> My God, man, the chicken, the chicken. I've been grilling a lot, man. I had some, I had the salmon on the grill. I hope you caught that. It was in that little that, that little basket that I had the, uh, the thing on the grill. That was oh. nice too. Uh, I didn't really get. I only tasted a little corner of it because, of course, everybody else just devoured it here. But um, yeah, I I don't know when I'm going to stop. I doubt that I will, and uh, I'm going to be at Miami Carnival in a few weeks. I I hope to get some good um, hope to get some good food photos there. If not, just at least photos of the event and all the other cool stuff around it, surrounding it. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. So if you want to follow Victor on Instagram, that's Victor Sinister Rodriguez. And if you want to follow him on Twitter, that's Vic M Rodriguez. And you can follow me at Crooklyn MMA and the show at Level Change Pod. And we both work for Bloody Elbow, obviously. So you can find our work over there. Victor has an awesome series called WTF, What the Fight? I thought it was What the Fuck, but it's What the Fight. No. It's going to have to be soon with the way things are going now. <laughs> UFC owns a trademark for what the fight. Yeah, I guess so. Thanks, okay. Dana. We'll, we'll call <laughs> it where the, the fight. I don't listen to the internet. Okay, how'd this happen? We'll call it Bitch. where the fight. <laughs> or we could just call it what the fuck. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, <laughs> also, if you listen to the pre-recorded outro, you still get to hear Mookie telling you where you can find this show and all the other great shows on the Bloody Elbow Presents platform. So do listen And until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivisection, the Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Brooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, and Radio-Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and on BloodyElbow.com. <laughs>